Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kelly Henderson, and you are listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I am so happy to be back this week with a new podcast. My guest is Dr. Erica Matluck. She is trained as a naturopathic doctor, a nurse practitioner, a Reiki master, a massage therapist, and a yoga instructor. While Erica has extensive training in both conventional and alternative approaches to healing, we talk through the more complete approach she uses now, which combines all of her training as well as chakra balancing to both diagnose and heal her patients' minds, bodies, and spirits. I am new to the chakra world, but did a workshop with Erica a few months ago, and I seriously experienced both relief and I actually think some healing within just a short amount of time together. She and I broke down the seven chakras, their themes and developments, signs of balance and imbalance within the chakra system, and common ailments that can result from imbalance. I was honestly shocked to learn that both obesity and infertility and many other physical ailments can actually be linked to an imbalance in your chakra system. So much info in this podcast. She is a wealth of knowledge. Here's our conversation. Okay, so you and I met at a workshop that a friend of mine put on and you discussed chakras and the subtle body, which I am very new to. Um, but you have a whole practice kind of based around diagnosing people based on what's happening in their body energy wise. Can you kind of explain that? Yes. So, um, and I will say that like my practice isn't necessarily based on just the subtle body. Okay. It's more based on this holistic understanding that if we're really trying to create sustainable change in our health, or in our lives. And for me, I sort of consider those two things uh, on the same continuum. We have to address the whole self, and that includes the subtle or energetic body. And so the way that I think about the self, and this is whether we're talking about physical illness or we're talking about, you know, like dysfunctional relationships or wanting to change careers. I think about health and self as the same thing. 
And I think about health or self having physical components, mental components, emotional components, and spiritual components. And in order to sort of like become the master of the self, we need to understand that there's this entire spiritual or energetic component to the self, which is the subtle body. And that exists. If we're talking science, we're talking about the quantum field. We're talking about a field of potential. And then when we start to use things like our attention and our intention and our thoughts and our language, we're starting to make certain possibilities more likely than others in the quantum field. And then that, in turn, can come back and it can affect our physical bodies and our health. It can affect our relationships. It can affect our careers. It can affect our environment. And so really what my practice is based on is not just the physical body or not just the subtle body, but the fact that if we want to see really sustainable change or growth or transformation or healing, we need to acknowledge all of it. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And you kind of explained it to us that day in saying like, you know, Western culture, and you're not knocking this at all, but it it divides it up into those four quadrants that you just listened. So you might go see a healthcare provider for your physical ailments, but you're going to a therapist for your mental and emotional health. And like your spirituality comes from the energy healers. Like we go to, we kind of compartmentalize all of it. Exactly. And like in my many years of practicing in the system like that, what I ultimately found is when you compartmentalize like that, whatever theme you're working with just sort of moves around. And what works better, in my opinion, is if we get all of these compartments on the same page working toward the same goal. Right. And that's yeah. often not the case if like you're going to your doctor to talk about your low, your chronic low back pain. And then you're going to your therapist to talk about your depression or a psychiatrist. And then you're going to an energy healer or like a religious community to talk about your spiritual beliefs. Right. So what do you mean moves around? Can you explain mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So the way that I think about these different quadrants of health, just to sort of like give you the basics, the physical body is like, it, it speaks to us in sensation, right? So we're all familiar with this. You have something that hurts or something's uncomfortable and you're like, okay, something's wrong. I'm going to go to the doctor. Our mental health in my framework is our thoughts and beliefs. We have this tendency to sort of lump mental and emotional health together in our in Western culture. Mm-hmm. But for me, those are two very different things. Mental health is like how your thoughts and your language and your beliefs either help to create what you want or get in your way. And then your emotional health is actually chemistry. It's This is chemical messengers binding to receptors and bringing about a state that you feel. And emotions actually should be quite transient. But what ultimately happens is we feel something and then the mind wants to explain why. And then we sort of get stuck in this loop where our mental and emotional well-being are tied up together. Whereas 
as women, we know from from having a hormonal cycle Mm -hmm. that like sometimes you just feel sad because you're in a hormonal climate that is driving that and then you don't really start to arrange your life or seek out a therapist to deal with that you say oh this it's the week before my period right Right? and it there's like in that in that sector of our health where we can accept the fact that our emotions sort of swing but when we're not aware of it because it's not like related to a, a hormonal cycle, we use the mental quadrant to then try and explain what we're feeling. And that usually results in some elaborate narrative that may or may not even be true. And then there's the spiritual quadrant, which in Western culture, we don't even really acknowledge. But for me, the spiritual quadrant is like, one, it provides some meaning. So like, why is your pain showing up in your low back and someone else's sort of like weak link is their digestive system? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. And the spiritual quadrant is where we get into to energy and intention and how we can really use our energy to impact our health or our lives. And I showed you in our workshop a diagram that I had put together. And if you remember, I had this all in sort of a circle Mm -hmm. and the quadrants were in the circle. And then on the physical and the emotional parts of the circle, I had arrows pointing in towards the self, toward the inner world. And I said, sensation and feelings draw you in to yourself. And then on the spiritual and mental quadrants of the diagram, I had arrows going outward toward your life, toward your environment. And your thoughts and your energy are sort of how you project your inner world onto the outer world. And so this is sort of the interplay between how you feel on the inside and what you're thinking on the inside and and what your sensations are on the inside, and then how that impacts your life around you, your relationships, your work, your environment. Um, and I, now I was went on such a tangent that I don't even remember the actual <laughs> question you asked me. Well, we were talking about just how the quadrants and how the Western culture compartmentalizes all of them. And I was saying, like, I think it's so fascinating that you in your practice look at those four things and you kind of tried to to talk about why one could affect the other like you're looking at all of them to make the diagnosis that's right and you actually asked me how does something move around yes and I said I was going to provide an example and so like (laughs) for example um we might see something like Someone comes in to see me and they have an autoimmune condition, right? Right. So what is actually happening with an autoimmune condition is one's immune system is attacking the physical body, right? And so what that means for me, if we put that in sort of like thematic understanding, the body is confused about what is safe and what is not, right? So your immune system physically is there to protect you from harm, from, you know, bacteria, viruses, and all the things that could, could make you ill. And so 
when someone comes in with an autoimmune condition, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, like looking at the physical health issue as we would from a Western conventional standpoint. But I'm also saying, okay, where in this person's life do they not feel safe? And so if we went like this conventional Western direction and we said, okay, you have this autoimmune condition and we're going to treat it with a steroid medication and then the symptoms improve. What I might see eventually is that someone, when I get into like someone's mental health, I find that like their thoughts and their language are very self-critical, right? Like they are constantly attacking themselves Mm -hmm. and then that starts to affect their mental health right and then maybe that leads into depression and then maybe eventually then that we see that in a spiritual quadrant impacting their career and maybe they choose a career that is like very cutthroat competitive where everyone in their working environment is constantly pointing out everything that they're doing wrong And then we see it show up in the emotional sphere in their relationships. And they're in like a somewhat abusive relationship where they, it's not safe to feel right. And every time they have an emotion, their partner is triggered and it turns into some fight. And that's what I mean when I say, we'll start to see this theme of like, I'm confused about like, what is safe to express and what is not. And we'll start to see that show up in their thoughts and language, in their relationships, in their careers. And, you know, when in fact, it's like, we thought we treated it with the prednisone, right? Right. But like we didn't, we just sort of moved the theme into another part of themselves. Wow. It's also interesting because this is, I mean, I obviously feel like there are some things that you just need Western medicine for. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, people create their own illnesses and anything like that. However, it is fascinating to me to, to hear that and to think about what we actually are just carrying in our own bodies because of, you know, mentally what we're thinking or emotionally what we've been through. And the diagnosis you get a lot of times with Western medicine is just take this pill and let's get rid of the symptoms, like mm-hmm. not looking at the underlying root, like you're saying. I agree. Or, or you know, and I totally agree with you. I worked in Western medicine for a decade and I, yeah. I um, there's it, it's it's life saving. I mean, it's a great gift and it's very helpful in so many situations, uh, especially, you know, acute illnesses and infectious disease. But I, I do, I think you're, you're pointing to something very interesting, which is like you said, I don't think people create their own illnesses. And I would actually frame that I do think people create their own illnesses, but I don't think that we're creating our own illnesses as like self-punishment. Right. I think we create our illnesses so we can grow and heal and learn. Mm. And this is like, you know, something that really didn't work very well for me philosophically in conventional medicine because we we live in this medical system where we only address our health when it's a problem right so you go into your, your provider when like something is wrong right and if we get into like actually using our thoughts and attention to create our reality 
if we only address our health when it's our pro- when it's a problem, then our health becomes a problem, right? And we start to sort of drive illness and dysfunction deeper. So I'm a big fan of the therapy model mm-hmm. because you don't just go and see your therapist when something when you're in crisis, right? Right. You go weekly and you say we're gonna like see each other when life is going well and we're going to see each other when life is hard and we're going to leave space for all of it or in a coaching model we tend to do the same thing yeah so when someone would come in to see you like let's say someone comes in with an autoimmune like you said do you just sit them down and you start going through the different quadrant kind of things, like asking questions to target what might actually be going on? Yes. So I say to people who work with me, in our first session together, my job and what I hold myself most accountable for is to be able to sort out which one of these quadrants we need to start in to move the needle the fastest the most. Yeah. I say, when you're working with me, we are going to touch on all of these quadrants. And sometimes they're going to be intertwined, right? Sometimes like you can't get involved with someone's thoughts and beliefs without also getting involved with their emotions, right? So the, the, the lines can be a little bit gray, mm-hmm. but really what I like to assess on this, the first session I do with people is which one of these do we need to start in to move the needle the most? And, you know, sometimes like if I'm working with someone who is having digestive issues or thyroid problems, like we have to use physical tools to get them feeling well enough to actually start to work with their thoughts and emotions and energy with a bit more ease. Right. Right. If someone comes to see me with a, with a hypothyroid issue and their medication is like not at the right dose and they feel exhausted and depleted, that is what I'm going to do first. Right. I'm going to say, let's like, let's get you feeling better so you have the energy right. to actually put into to the, the deeper work we're going to do. That makes sense. So when we met at that, at that retreat or workshop, a lot of the work that we talked about was through the chakras. And as I said earlier, this is completely kind of a new world to me, but I'm extremely fascinated by it because I do think that I can see where, you know, even a lot of trauma that we might hold or just your, your childhood or anything like that, how you can get stunted and like your energy can't grow from there. So I would love to just kind of break down the different chakras and maybe actually first, would you even say, what is a chakra? (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you sort of like a tour. Okay, Um, perfect. And so the, I think I love that you're, you're mentioning that you're new to this concept Mm -hmm. and a lot of people I work with are new to this concept. And a lot of the time, um, people don't even like the term chakra for some people. This sounds like really new agey and out there. This is like what yogis and, and Eastern philosophy have been referring to for, for a very, very long time. And I like using the chakras just because they give us sort of um, something to refer to. But really, we're talking about themes that are associated with different parts of the self. And so 
I like to sort of give people the overview that chakras are energy centers. These aren't physical anatomical locations, right? So you can't actually touch a chakra. Okay. But when, interestingly, when you do do like a cadaver dissection and you open up the body, you do find that there are large plexuses of nerves that are generally associated geographically on the body with where the chakras are thought to be. So to me, that does suggest these are points of like heightened sensitivity, right? We have more nerve activity near where they're located. And in yoga, this there's this whole idea that the life force lives at the base of the spine. And the path to awakening is all about being able to move that energy up the spine into different frequencies. And so when I think about the chakras as different energy centers along the spine having different frequencies, frequency meaning that they're associated with sort of different themes of the self. Okay. And so I like to use them as sort of windows of understanding different themes that are associated with different stages in life, different physical health issues, and um, different mental health issues, different thought patterns. And uh, most of us, in, in, from, a, from a yogic perspective, we sort of think about the lower three chakras, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus. And these are, are located, you know, off the body and the subtle body in the low from around the base of the spine to the the abdomen or the area around your belly button and this these lower energy centers which are lower frequencies are really here to sort of like ground us into the human world these are like our instinctual animal nature and then the upper three chakras which are the throat the third eye and the crown. And these, if we're looking at the body, sort of correlate with like your throat, the area between your eyebrows and the top of your head. These are considered sort of like that your, your spiritual self and access to the spirit world uh, or the celestial world. And this is sort of more of our intuitive self, our higher knowing or what some people like to refer to as a higher self. And then the heart is the bridge. Mm. So the heart is where we pull energy up from the, our, our human self and down from our spirit self. And it all connects at the heart. And this is why, you know, the great poets like Rumi and Hafiz are always talking about the heart, because this is really like the integration of spirit and humanity which is like what we're all kind of hoping to experience in our lives. Right. So So that's sort of like the overview. I'll pause and see if you have any questions. Well, I was just going to say, I would, um, so the heart is the connector. And we talked about that, which uh, I kind of want to talk about later too, how we tested the different things. And I thought that was so fascinating. But so each one starts because when you mentioned the root shock or the, the lower half, like the root chakra is the first one, right? It's the lowest. Mm-hmm. And that is developed between the day you were born and the age you were seven. 
actually the day you were even conceived. Oh, so it even wow. goes farther back. Wow. Okay. Okay. So yeah, talk through so that. I sort of, mm-hmm, I sort of think of the chakras as developing in these seven year cycles. Okay. And the root chakra is the first one to develop. And so really the themes that we're working with here are survival. It's about like the fear of not being able to survive in this world. And so when we're babies and children in this first seven years of life and we're just sort of coming into our bodies and our only job is to live, it's to survive in a body, we are taking in a lot of cues from our caregivers about like what what do we need to do to survive. And at that stage in our life, if you are not loved survival is actually impossible, right? You need a loving caregiver who cares about you enough to, you know, clothe you and feed you and, and take care of you. And so in this, these first seven years of life, we often experience a bit of a tug of war between secure attachment, which means I am safe and I'm going to survive because I have a caregiver that loves me. And authenticity, which is like, actually, I'm going to be myself and express myself completely. And sometimes there's this little tug of war that happens. And this isn't because our parents are bad people or they do anything wrong. But it's just something that happens where like, someday you have a need, maybe you're a toddler and you want apple juice and you're in the shop with your parent and there's no apple juice and you throw a tantrum and your parent becomes really embarrassed because it's a public place and sort of tries to shush you and gets frustrated and a little angry at you. And you immediately feel, oh, like love is taken away if I am not, when I am, when I express myself in this way, right? So you turn down a little bit of your authenticity dial to secure love and attachment from your Mm. caregivers. And this is like a really deep core wound, right? So, and it's totally unconscious, but we do this then throughout our lives. We repress certain parts of who we are because there's this deep rooted fear that it's not safe to be who we are. Right. And we know as we get older that like if you express yourself and someone doesn't love you for it, you're not going to die. Right. Your survival is not actually going to be threatened. But in the spiritual part of ourselves, there is no time in the quantum field. Past, present and future are the same. So this old, you know, inner child, this part of you that really does associate the full authentic expression of yourself with fear of death is still alive. And this is why sometimes we find ourselves in relationships later in life where like when we feel like love is being taken away or we feel afraid to fully express something, it's like causes really severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like and it's what we're facing is our fear of death, but it's not because we really think we're going to die. It's because this old wound, this old like inner child part of ourselves is still alive in there somewhere. Right. I was going to say that. I thought it was interesting when you say, um, you know, as adults, we know, oh, you're not going to die if you're not loved for expressing yourself. But if you're if your root chakra is 
traumatized or I, I don't know the proper tech terms to talk about this, but if it's, if you don't have the healing there, doesn't it actually feel like you might die? Like, do we still, can't we equate it to that or like have that actual feeling, even though it might not be reality? Yes, you absolutely can. And you know, what that usually shows up for, for people is anxiety, okay. right? Anxiety and fear. And when I always talk about sort of like in the chakras, there's like wounds. So you said traumatized. I like the term wound because yeah. it's like, it's not something that can't heal. It's not yes. like some like deep rooted trauma that you can't move. In fact, actually energy is much more fluid than physical form. Energy is actually much easier to heal if you know if, if you use your intention and your direction with some, with some thought. Mm-hmm. So really what we're moving from when we heal the root chakra is we're moving out of this fear, fear that it's not safe to be who we really are in the world. And we're moving into trust. We're learning to trust that like you are here to be you and you can express all parts of yourself authentically. And like, it's, you're going to be okay. Yes. You say signs of imbalance in the root chakra can show up as confusion about what, what is safe and what is not, inability to trust, life decisions driven by fear and inauthenticity. Yes. I agree with myself. <laughs> <laughs> and co- this is what's so fascinating. So if you're feeling like that and then you have um, a patient come in common ailments that might show up physically could be anxiety, as you said, allergies and autoimmune conditions, inability to lose weight and obesity. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like what we're talking about with root chakra stuff is like, am I safe in the world? And so a lot of the time I'll see a pattern in people who are carrying extra weight where they don't really feel safe. So maybe something happened in childhood or maybe they're in a situation now where they don't really feel safe to express themselves. And putting on extra weight can actually serve as a protective barrier between you and the world. Hmm. Right. So when you carry extra weight, you're sort of like insulating your inner self, your Mm -hmm. inner organs. And uh, oftentimes there's a fear around losing that weight because there's a fear of like really being vulnerable to the world. Wow. I've never thought of it as a barrier. That's so interesting to me. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. And I, I see another pattern often with people who are carrying a lot of extra weight where they're very comfortable sort of in the work of the upper chakras, like talking about their connection to spirit or religion. Um, but they're not that comfortable in their body. They're disconnected from their body and they're using weight literally to like weigh them down with gravity. So, they, so they're like more rooted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. So have you seen where, um, have you had any patients maybe dealing with that obesity issue where you start to heal the root chakra issues and they are dropping weight like more oh, easily? To- absolutely. Yeah. Huh. 
Wow. Yeah. So I think about this kind of stuff, you know, like let's say a patient came into my office and they're overweight and, um, you know, I'm always sort of doing the, the typical conventional things first. I'm checking their thyroid. I'm checking their blood sugar. I'm ruling out diabetes. I'm like doing an assessment of their diet and exercise. And usually it's like, I'll start to think about this in these scenarios where someone's like, all the labs are normal. They're doing all the right things and the weight just won't go. Right. And right. then I'm like, okay, what's, what else is going on here? Like, why might you be holding on to this weight so tightly? And then I'll sort of direct my line of questioning and, you know, to, to uncover if there's something in, in the root chakra mm-hmm. or another chakra really, because there could be other reasons. So fascinating. So you say when the root chakra is in balance or some signs of balance, um, it appears as being authentic, feeling safe enough to take risk in your own life that are fully aligned with who you are and what you want. So maybe like making those decisions, not showing who you truly are, and then not having that fear of, am I going to be loved or not? Because it doesn't matter. If you're exactly. aligned. Or mm-hmm. the dialogue around what are people going to think? And, you know, I can't lose, I can't leave my job because like everyone's used to me making X dollars a year and like, you know, but really I'm miserable. Yeah. Um, it's like when we when we work through this energy, I see people sort of get the courage to be like, okay, this like, this job is just not aligned with me and there's no... I'm, I'm courageous enough to just step out of it. Yes. So then next, when you're moving up the body, is the sacral sh- chakra. Is it chakra or chakra? I can't say it. You know, the traditional <laughs> like pronunciation is chakra. Chakra. We, you, you hear everyone in, in you know, the West these days saying chakras. So yes. you, choo- you choose your okay. expression. <laughs> so let's talk about the sacral chakra. The sacral is like one of my favorites because Why? it is so profound in our culture. So when I think of the sacral, a lot of us is think about it as sort of like the emotional center okay, and um, where the emotional body develops. And we're talking now developmentally aged like seven to 14. And really what the sacral comes down to is are what the Buddhists call the craving and aversion cycle. So ultimately, all of our actions in our lives are driven by the desire to create more of something that feels good and to escape discomfort or pain, mm. right? And we know this very like clearly on a, on a physical level, right? right? So like if I touch the stove and it's hot, like I want out of that and that's a really healthy <laughs> instinctual reaction. But when we start to take this a step further you and you really start to look at this you will find that like in the your emotions are often driving your actions right so like i get i feel happy and joyful and positive validation if i do if i behave in one way and i hurt someone or feel sad and uncomfortable I, if i take some other action. So I let the the feeling good drive me. 
Now, the problem with this, if we come back to that emotional quadrant of health, is that emotion at the end of the day is simply chemical messengers binding to receptors and it's transient. So even the stuff that feels good is impermanent. And when we're constantly just being driven by this desire for more pleasure and this avoidance of pain, we are we can't sit still long enough for like the greatest things to come to us so for example the sacral chakra is also the home of like creation this is like associated with our reproductive organs or mm. our pelvic area and this is where we we conceive life this is where we create from and creation should be our greatest genius but it's not if all we're doing is being driven by running for more pleasure and away from discomfort, right? Ugh. So this is like where I settle for the wrong partner, yes. right? This is like, I'm too uncomfortable being single as a woman in her forties. So I'm going to grab onto this partner and like get married and try and get pregnant. Right. But like, that's not really like what my highest self wants. That's a reaction to the discomfort of being single at this stage of my life, as opposed to sitting and waiting for like the right person for me to create with. Wow. Right. So if we take this really far. This is like the roots of addiction. Okay. Um, I see this showing up in a lot of people with addiction and I'm not just talking about substances. I'm also talking about sugar or shopping. Um, we see this, I see this showing up a lot in like fertility issues, right? Mm. Where it's like really comes down to like, are you trying to conceive with the right person? Um, so you're okay. Right. If, like if that, I mean, obviously uh, my listeners know I am doing, I'm fertile. I mean, I'm freezing my eggs right now. And so do you, like, I'm confused on how our bodies would know like, would they just know, like, oh, you're not with the right partner or, oh, it's not that right time in your life? And it would mm -hmm. really. Yeah, well, I would take that a step farther and I would say it's not just that your body knows, it's that you know. Wow. Right. And this is where it gets so confusing. And I mean, believe me, woman to woman, this is so complex. Right. right? It's like we're damned if we do. We're damned if we don't. Like if you didn't freeze your eggs when you were 30, you did something wrong. Exactly. If right. If you're like it, it, so. Re and it's really challenging, you know, and there's a whole fertility industry around this. And it's very confusing. What is the feminist path? What is not? And all of this noise, it often clouds us from what is really true for ourselves, right? And so, I mean, I'll just share with you, like, I went through this decision process, too. I was single in my mid-30s and really believe that I want to be a mom mm -hmm. and I hadn't met the person and I faced this decision of like, do I want to freeze my eggs? And ultimately for me, I decided that like, I, it was more important to me to just sort of like trust my body yeah. and trust the timing of my life and trust that like if motherhood and creation is in the cards for me in my life that I'm going to meet the right person and the timing is going right. to work out and for me it just like it lit me up to be able to trust that process 
And I decided not to go through with like egg retrieval and all of that or, or freezing anything. And I don't really think that this is a, is a medical decision. I think it's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. And I usually say to women, you know, if you're stuck on this decision of whether or not to freeze your eggs, if you are someone who you think will regret if you did not do everything in your power to make motherhood a possibility for you, like we have this technology available to us. Right. So use it. That's exactly why I decided to do it. Yeah. And then it's like, that's great. That's like a healthy decision. But I see a lot of women freezing their eggs who are like, I don't want to do this, but like my partner wants to, or my parents are putting pressure on me, or I don't know if I want to have kids and like my company pays for it. And like, right. And what I'm saying is like, if you retrieve eggs in that mental, emotional climate, like that is probably not the energy of a spirit that you want to bring into the world. Right. It is so, so interesting. Like, Go ahead. There's not really a right or a wrong, but it's like, let's get all the parts of you on the same page. If you decide to make the decision to freeze your eggs, like, great. Let's like get your feeling really good about that emotionally. Let's get your thoughts really excited about that. Let's get your energy on board with saying like, I have plans to be a mother. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about me, you know, I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code Velvet's Edge at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Because this is kind of, I'm, I'm just like so fascinated by this now because I'm thinking about, you know, I made this decision, like I just said, because I didn't want to look back and go, wow, I really regret not doing everything in my power to make this a possibility. And in Western medicine, you know, I'm 37. So that is typically what they say, you know, physically by a certain age, if you haven't, like our bodies can't do it is what kind of what they start saying to you or like you're going to the chances of it happening are so low. And I've, I've battled with that so much because I, I don't feel like emotionally I really wanted to have to think about that. But the pressure from just the medical standpoint on women is is very heavy and you don't like I didn't want to have that that thing hanging over my head that was like oh I should have done that you know like you never want to feel that way especially if it's something that you do want in your life but it's so interesting with what you're saying because are you really gonna get the results you want if your whole entire body is not or like you're you're that area the sacral chakra for instance isn't in tune with that or in line with that decision it's exactly right. And you're speaking to something else that I think is so important about like energy, which okay. is we have ourselves, right? And you have what's going on for yourself. And then when we're talking about energy, we're talking about a field that is off of your body, right? It's like extending however many feet or beyond in front of you. Yeah. And in that space, there's also a collective field, right? So there's your belief system, which may be, I believe that I'm going to be a mother. I believe that I'm going to conceive at 40 with the, the partner of my, my choice, right? Yeah. And that might be your belief system. And then you walk into the fertility clinic and they have a different belief system, right? They're working with statistics and they're working with a different like sort of set of goals, right? right. They're saying, we're, we we spend all day seeing people who can't conceive and our belief system here is like this is what you have to do to make this a reality and so all of a sudden your belief systems are not are not aligned they're clashing mm-hmm. and that's when you start to doubt yourself right mm-hmm. so you walked into the clinic saying i'm a healthy vibrant 37 year old woman and i know that i have the ability to conceive and then you walk into this field of energy right and this is now the mental quadrant of health right thoughts and beliefs so you walk into a thought and belief system that says 37 year old woman 
can't get pregnant. Right. And we need to intervene. Right. And then you walk out of there with a new belief system that actually doesn't support you conceiving naturally. Yeah. And this is why this work is challenging, right? This isn't easy work. This is like really repetitive training, like figuring out what's true for you and really using your thoughts and your language as a practice to keep your attention on that. Yeah, because, yeah, God, I have so many thoughts pinging around now. How So how do you, if you know, um, I guess the question would be, if you are getting the two messages, as you said, what would be a way to kind of integrate two completely opposing messages like that in any of, I mean, this goes for any of our chakras, right? Right, right. Well, ultimately... I think you you can integrate them in you can integrate them rationally. Okay. But ultimately it's it's one way or the other, you know, because what's happening, you know, if we look at that circle again and we're and I, I said earlier, you know, ultimately what I want to do is I want to get the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of yourself all pointed in the same direction Mm -hmm. so we can create something. And oftentimes when we want to create something, whether it's healing or abundance or partnership or whatever it is, oftentimes the reason we're not successful is because these pieces of ourselves are not all working in the same direction, right? So for example, I could say to you, I'm confident that I'm going to get pregnant this year, right? And then if I spend part of my thoughts and have another conversation later where I talk about all the statistics that make that less likely for me, I'm getting in my own way, right? Thought-wise and energetic-wise, those two things are not pointing me in the direction of like a pregnancy this year. Mm. And so... In the world of, let's call it manifestation, if the goal is I want to create, you know, healing, then like I can't both hold, I can't integrate the belief that I can heal and the belief that I cannot heal at the same time, right? I ultimately have to sort of train the belief that I cannot heal out of me. Mm. And so for you, if we were working through this together and we were sort of like doing a deep dive on like, is this really what you want to do? I think the first piece of the work would be to get down to the bottom of like, do, is this truly aligned with you? Right. Right. Like, is this the path? And if it is great, then let's get every piece of you on board. Let's get excited about freezing your eggs. Let's get excited about the fact that you have this technology that allows you to explore other parts of your life for the next however many years and be a mom in your 40s or 50s, whatever Mm -hmm. you choose, Mm -hmm. right? Let's get your thoughts aligned with that. And, you know, and, and be sort of in solidarity with that choice. As opposed, you know, and if what we found in this conversation, if I said to you, you know, hey, Kelly, every time you talk about freezing your eggs, I see your shoulders hike up to your ears. Yeah. And your language changes. Are you, like, let's talk about if this is really something you want to do. And if we find that that's not the case, then it's sort of like, okay, let's kind of tease out 
what is really driving you to make this decision. Mm -hmm. And if it's not the decision that you want to make, let's get every part of you aligned with what is really true for you. Wow. Right. I trust myself to get pregnant at 40 or whatever it is. Right. So when the sacral chakra is not aligned, you say some signs of imbalance are people pleasing behavior, being overly emotional or emotionally guarded. That's interesting that it's the two. It could be the two opposites. Um, go ahead. Right. And it's usually like you're in what you're in service of is not creating discomfort. Right. So right. it's like I'm in a relationship with someone who can't handle my like wild emotional swings. Then like I might hold back and be guarded. Right. But if I'm in a relationship with someone who won't give me the time of day unless I throw a tantrum, then like I'm probably going to over emote. Wow. So it's whatever you're, this is why addiction is a huge part of this one. You're just seeking out the pleasure stuff. Exactly. You're either seeking out the pleasure or you're, you're running away from the pain. Okay. So living in denial is another sign of imbalance in this, this chakra, uh, difficulty with intimate relationships. It's very interesting too. Um, why is that? Is it just, you're just guarded to authenticity a little bit or it's, what is that? Well, it's more because this is like, really about emotion okay and it's often about like like sitting in a field of discomfort right so you often you can't really go into emotion without going into vulnerability you know right um and so it tends to be the people that we're intimate with that we're the most vulnerable with And it's also because of, you know, in nature, this ultimately comes down to conception and creation, Mm -hmm. right? And so the people that you are here to create your genius with, and whether that's a child or um, a project or a piece of art or a business or a product, the ones that you are really going to, to create with, they're people that are close to you. Or they're going to become close to you because this is going to be the work of your life. Right. So it's intimate, right? We're talking about things that are really precious to us. So some common ailments of this being out of line is pelvic pain, sexual dysfunction, recurrent UTIs. That's interesting. Um, acne, STIs. What's an STI? It's an STD. Oh. New, more, more up to date acronym. (laughs) Why would that be a common ailment of this chakra? Well, so just think again about like the theme of intimacy and um, the theme of like how uncomfortable, how much discomfort it brings up when someone has a a sexually transmitted infection, Mm. right? So like if we just took like say herpes, for example, when I work with people with herpes, there is so much discomfort around mm. it. Like there's discomfort around disclosing it. There's discomfort around being intimate with people. The the um, the infection itself can be uncomfortable. And so we're sort of it it sort of controls us, right? Yeah, it drives yeah. us to choose who we're going to be with. Wow. Signs of balance would include having the ability to feel emotions and express them without reacting to them or being overly driven by them. Tolerance for discomfort. That's a big one. 
Um, willingness to see one's own blind spots. So it's really just getting uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Totally. That's like what it all comes down to. And if you remember when we did the workshop together, Mm -hmm. what I did to kind of get you guys into this was I had you do something called a sit of determination where you sat still for a period of time and you couldn't respond to the, an itch or falling asleep. You know, and in that in that example, what we're doing is we're sort of just using the body as a way to get familiar with this concept of sitting with discomfort. Yeah, it was so fascinating because you made us sit for was it ten minutes? Yeah, I did a short one. With okay, you, but usually I'll do thirty. Oh my gosh, I would have died. <laughs> it's like you we sat for ten minutes. Although I say that, but I thought there's no way that I can sit completely still and if I have an itch not itch that or just like not want to open my eyes but it was funny because because I knew there was a time clock and like because I knew the activity you really could I could talk myself out of not doing it and I didn't move like it was so interesting Mm -hmm. did not scratch that itch and then it went away And that's like, that's what this is all about, right? And ultimately, you take that into your emotional quadrant, right? And you're like, this is like when, you know, some person that you're dating sends you a text that bothers you, right? And the first instinct is to text something back. And this is cultivating the ability to say, I'm actually just going to sit with this and I'm going to let my emotions pass Mm. before I take any action that's fascinating um okay let's talk about the solar plexus so this developmental Mm -hmm. stage is from when we are 14 to about 21 so the ego develops here and let's talk a little bit about that so the solar plexus now is this is sort of a time period in our lives where we're starting to really move into identity who we think we are Mm -hmm. and you know, you think back to age 14 to 21, these are like the years where a lot of us are in school, we're thinking about what's coming next, if we're going to college, if we're going into some sort of career. And we're starting to get a lot of feedback from the world about the things that we're good at and the things that maybe we're not so good at. And when we get positive feedback for the things that we're good at, we feel confident and we start to sort of define ourselves by these things, right? So like, I'm Erica, I'm good at science and math and like, I'm not good at art, right? So maybe this is like some belief I have about myself because um, I see the, the art teachers giving another student all this positive validation, but I'm getting a, a good grades in math and science. Mm-hmm. And it starts to shape who I think I am. And that's like a really simple example, but this goes into every area of our lives. And so the part I start expressing and letting the parts of myself that I define myself by sort of like be at the foreground of who I am and the parts of myself that I'm not as like proud of or confident in, I start expressing them less. Right. And these are like my vulnerabilities. And, uh, 
over time, I start to judge myself very harshly for these things. And it becomes scary to express them, right? So if it's like, I have a belief from this time period that I'm not a good singer, and then I don't sing for the next 20 years. And then it's a friend's birthday, and I'm terrified to sing happy birthday or something, right? Because I believe that I'm not a good singer. That's not part of my narrative of who I am and what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And I'm not confident there. And so the more we do this, the more we like selectively express the parts of ourselves that we're confident about and neglect or sort of hide the parts of ourselves that we are not proud of, the more fragmented we become. And the more we start to build our lives from a fragmented place, from a place of not being whole, and the more we attempt to access these parts of ourselves that are vulnerable or that we're not so proud of, the more judgmental we become of ourselves. So this is like the inner critic, the inner critic getting really loud, right? When you try and like do something new and the imposter syndrome of like, Mm -hmm. who who am I to do this thing? Mm -hmm. So, but what if like your life experience, you know, like you said, you are great at science. And so, and maybe when you go sing, people aren't like, Oh my God, you're so great at singing. So like, how do we not put those labels on ourselves though? Because what if like life is just proving that to seem like a fact? Mm, Well, that's a really, that's a great point because life is proving that to seem like a fact. And, but what I'm inviting you to say is like, is there space in life for the parts of me who are not, that are not exceptional and perfect to also mm. be allowed to express. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying that like you need to have a career in singing, but like what I want you to be able to do is move past the fear and the judgment when you want to sing. So like, can it be okay to sing and not have a perfect voice? Right. And in fact, when you share these parts of yourself that you're not good at, it's so endearing. Yeah. And we fall in love with you for it. It's so true. And then all of a sudden you see a different lens on life, right? You see life actually accepting you in your imperfections mm-hmm. as well as your perfections. It's so true. Um, this is like a small example, but my boyfriend always says about himself, like he's a terrible dancer. But like when he does this little jig that I think is just the cutest thing ever, it is, it makes it so endearing. And it's not like, oh my gosh, you are, you should be a break dancer on a stage. <laughs> but it's it's like a, a way of almost like vulnerability, like you're saying, which is so interesting because it is endearing. It's so true. And like the, the this is often the case. It's like the part of ourselves that we're sort of ashamed of or mm-hmm. we stick in hiding because we're insecure about. These are the things that like make us human. Right. So these are the things that people fall in love with us for. But we spend our whole lives trying to hide them. Wow. So signs of balance with the solar plexus are self-confidence, feeling empowered, having the will and determination to exceed expectations and limitations imposed by oneself and others and feeling worthy of love and greatness. So it's accepting your imperfections and just knowing that you're still worthy. 
Exactly. This is all about self-acceptance. Yeah. Um, and it's so beautiful because, you know, you hear a lot of people these days like talking about self-love and how, you know, self-love is the most important thing. And I actually think if you can really find self-acceptance, you don't even need the term self-love because it just mm-hmm. happens naturally. Mm-hmm. Self-acceptance is saying there's space for all of me here. Yeah. So let's move to the heart chakra because you describe this as the bridge and Mm -hmm. we just talked about finding self-acceptance. And so in your heart chakra is this is when are you looking to kind of give that out to others now that that same love, that same compassion, that same acceptance? Uh, I love that you put it that way, because what is so critical about the heart that we miss is that it has to be a two-way street. Okay. So I actually don't find that many people in our culture or our world can't give love. I find that they can't receive it. Wow. And so the heart is like, exactly, the heart is the bridge. It's a two-way street. It, it pulls from the spirit and it pulls from the, the earth. And just like it's impossible to inhale without an exhale or Mm -hmm. exhale without an inhale. The heart cannot just give. It also has to receive. And so, so much of the self-acceptance work in the solar plexus is really like the prerequisite for you to feel worthy of love, for you to be able to let it in. Right. So, and in our culture, we tend to actually confuse like sacral energy with heart energy. I all could the time. see like that. We, yeah. We think that the heart is like, you know, the center of romantic love. Right. But it's not. The heart is really like the center of compassion. Mm. The heart is about being able to hold all of it. Right. So the sacral chakra says, I love you when you're beautiful. I love you when we have good sex. I love you when things feel good. Okay. The heart says, I love you in your pain. I love you in your suffering. Mm. I love you in your vulnerabilities. I love all of you. There's space for all of you here. You say signs of imbalance in the heart are feelings of rejection, lack of compassion towards oneself and others. So if you are having a hard time having compassion towards yourself, does that just translate into the rest of your life? Essentially, like I can't have compassion for me. This is how I talk to myself. And therefore, I pretty much talk to everyone else that way as well. Yeah, exactly. I always think about, you know, your relationship with yourself is a relation is this is going to show up in your relationship everywhere. Yeah. So if you don't feel compassion or acceptance for yourself, you're going to have very little tolerance for people in the world. Right. Common ailments you see with this are high blood pressure, circulatory problems and cardiovascular risk risk factors. So actual heart issues. I, I do. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and if you look at our, our, you know, world cardiovascular issues are the leading cause of death in the country really right and it's all about when you look at the heart on a physical or anatomical level it's all about circulation yeah right it has to give and receive 
And like, right. You can't just like, if your heart's just pumping out arterial blood, but the blood isn't coming back to the heart, like the system doesn't work. I love that image because that's so true. I mean, that's a physical thing that we could think about, but if you're just giving out love constantly, you won't be able to function because if you're not receiving it back, you can't keep giving it without, I mean, that to me is like what codependency is almost. Exactly. It would exhaust you. Right. 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 And what, like I talked about rejection with the heart and it's like, if oftentimes when we feel rejected, we just keep trying harder and harder and harder, right. To be accepted by another. And we're often like giving our power away and we're exhausting our energy right? because it's a one way street. So signs of balance here will include the ability to give and receive love in relationships, self-compassion, and living courageously. That's it. That's That's where we're all trying to get to, you know, and really, if you can do the work of getting from the root to the heart, you are doing pretty darn good. You know, you see a lot of people in like, sort of like these new age circles talking about the upper chakras and wanting to get into like the throat chakra, which is all about manifestation and Mm -hmm. the third eye chakra, which is all about psychic abilities and the crown chakra, which is all about oneness. But like most of us have so much work to do just to get to the heart. Right. Um, So uh, most of my work with people is just from like the root to the heart. Really? Yeah. Because once you get past this bridge of the heart, like you're saying, is that kind of you understanding self-love, self-appreciation, kind of the more evolved version of ourselves? Yes. And I like, I don't love the term evolved with this, but I like, I think I'd probably use the term like it's a higher frequency. Okay. Right. But if we're thinking about a continuum of healing, I would say like the half of the continuum is getting from like wounding to like, let's say health and functionality. And then the next half of the continuum is getting from like health to like really starting to like discover your boundless potential. I would say that like the heart is sort of like where you cross into the, the boundless potential side of the spectrum. Right. Because now we're like pushing the limits on what is possible. Well, I have a question then there, because when we did our testing, um, you kind of tested the different energy frequencies and I was blocked in my heart, but not in my throat, which is the next one. So if you have a block somewhere, which is like mine being in the bridge to the next, um, you know, spiritual place or whatever, how do you have something in balance that's higher up? Did that make sense? Yeah. So think of it like this. The each one of the centers is both an individual and it's connected. So like we could see an imbalance in your heart where like maybe it's really hard for you to receive. Maybe you're the type of person that the second someone gives you a compliment, you give one back without yes. even taking a moment to like take it in. Right. And we're gonna see that as like sort of a a deficiency or a weakness in the energy around your heart. But then in your throat, like you have no problem, like really speaking your truth and using your voice. Right. So if, and creating things in your life, right. So you can have a strong or balanced energy in the throat, but it 
could be on a faulty foundation. So mm-hmm. ultimately, what I would like to see with you is if we did some work around your heart, if the way that you used your voice and your throat energy started to change. So it uh, might be that like you have no problem like in that frequency and using the power of your throat chakra to create things, mm-hmm. but like you're not creating the right things, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. not creating the things that really feed your heart. That makes total sense. So the throat chakra is from when you're 28 to 35 year olds, that t- 35 years old, that's the developmental stage. And you say the themes here are to transmit thought into form. So just like you're saying, you manifest here, expressing one's truth, communication. Um, But when you see signs of imbalance, it looks like inability to create the things you want in your life. So and that's interesting because that could be, like you said, based on a faulty foundation, Um, Mm -hmm. frequently feeling misunderstood and guilt. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know that lump in your throat when you feel guilty? Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, that I do. It's <laughs> interesting that like that's where oh, we yeah. feel it. Yeah. Right? And often guilt is about like like I feel guilty speaking what's actually true for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel guilty creating what I want in the world because I'm I feel guilty that it might be at someone else's expense. Mm. Right. So if I get this job, then someone else doesn't. Right. So signs. mm -hmm, I was going to say signs of balance there mean you have the ability to manifest your dreams. Um, You've clear communication skills. You fearlessly and unapologetically express yourself. So that falls into exactly what you were just saying. Exactly. You lose the guilt. Right. And if your sacral is developed, then you're like, it's okay. You're like, I can go after this thing that Mm -hmm. I want and my partner or my friend might not like it, but that's okay. I can sit with their discomfort and their disappointment. And I can trust that in that frequency, that disappointed frequency, there's something for them to learn and explore. Oh, wow. Let's move to the third eye. Um, Let's say this is from ages 35 to 42. And themes here are clarity, intuition, psychic ability. So do you believe everyone has psychic ability? I believe everyone can cultivate it. And yes, I believe everyone has it. I just think that most of us, there's too much noise for us Mm -hmm. to really like have the clarity. But I do believe we can all develop it. What about when, you know, certain personality types or I've always been told I'm my personality type and anytime I have my chart read, like you are super intuitive. So are there certain people who have stronger senses that way or is it just as like certain people are just more balanced there naturally? Like what is that? You know, just like people come in with different qualities and different Mm -hmm. tendencies, like there are people who came in with that sort of heightened intuitive ability. Um, But then what it becomes about is do you trust it? Right. So you could have 10 people come in with a heightened intuitive ability and you can have eight of those people who like chose never to listen to it. And eventually over time, it's sort of, it's sort of silenced. Yeah. 
And then you have two people who like, maybe they were raised in a, in a home with a parent who was like really encouraged them to trust their intuition and they strengthen it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm reading right now the signs of imbalance here and the signs of balance. And to me, this one is the most, they're the most polar opposite as far as the imbalance and balance. Like, Signs of imbalance include indecision, short-sightedness, lack of empathy, inability to relate to others. However, when you're in balance, you have foresight, perspective, wisdom, intuition, vivid dreams, aging with ease. Mm. Tell us about that. Think of the third eye like this. It is the bird's eye view. It has perspectives. Yeah. So people talk about this as the center of psychic ability. Think about it like this. If you were up above, like looking down on the world and you could see everything going on, it's almost like when you're watching a movie, right? And you can see, they'll show you a shot of another scene going on. So you know that like this person is having this situation in in one area of their life, but they also have another situation going on in another area of your life, but another area of that their life, but the characters in the movie don't necessarily know all of it. But when you have that perspective, you can see everything. Yeah. This is like really what the psychic nature is about, right? So when you have that level of perspective, you can have more compassion for people. You understand what more people are going through. You understand that all archetypes exist within you and you can choose how you want to show up. And you can predict that if you show up one way, you're going to be responded to differently than if you show up in another way. It's almost like, I think, I'll be- I don't work with a lot of actors But I'll bet a lot of actors really, really can tap into this energy. Yeah, that would make sense. Because they know the experience of like, I could show up as this character and like the world will respond to me differently. And I can show up as another character and the world will respond to me in a different way. So what is the difference? I mean, in reality, because this the developmental stage of this one is 35 to 42. And so isn't some part of that just life wisdom like you learn from the experiences you've had? Definitely. And take these, you know, developmental stages with a grain of salt, because we all have this energy, these energies developing and present all the time. But these are sort of like, um, they're sort of like time affiliations. And yes, I absolutely agree with you that this is like highly developed, like human awareness. Yeah. Like it takes years of living in the world to really like get into this energy. So the last chakra is the crown chakra, and that is you would say in the area of like the top of your head, if you were showing a visual. So the theme here is connection to the macrocosm oneness, the great cycles of the universe, the biorhythms of the body. So talk a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So this is like, I love the statement as above, so below. And Mm -hmm. the crown chakra is really like, it's the gateway to the cosmos. And, you know, in, 
Western culture and in like conventional medicine, no one really talks about the fact that humans are little microcosms of a macrocosm. Like we're all like we're all connected, right? And and this is not woo-woo stuff. This is the fact that like my circadian rhythm is controlled by melatonin and cortisol, which is controlled by sunlight, right? And our uh, menstrual cycles are correlated with the moon cycles mm-hmm. and the tides, right? We are connected the biorhythms of the body are connected to like the great rhythms of the universe. And that's really what this is about. So like each one of the chakras is, is correlated with a gland in the body and the crown chakra is correlated with the pineal gland. This is the part of our brain that is interacting with light. And, uh, it's, this is the gateway to, to like the celestial world. And that is like the, the greatest perspective there is. Right. So this is like our connection to earth. This is the fact that like the knowing that like you and I are not separate. We're one and the same. And when I'm really in the gift of this and knowing that we're all connected, like my triumphs are your triumphs and your triumphs are mine. And when I'm hurting you, I'm hurting myself. Mm. Right. Because we're all part of the same whole. Ugh, gosh, if we could all just be balanced there, wouldn't it be a great world? <laughs> I mean, it, it would be so beautiful. We wouldn't, so beautiful. Like, we wouldn't be dealing with the, the climate crises that we're dealing with. Exactly. But, but the, but the climate crisis is an example of this, right? It's an example of, like, we can't exist separately. Right. Like we have to wake up and, like, actually remember that we are part of something greater right now. Signs of balance here include sense of oneness in the world, connection to something bigger than yourself, and feeling a sense of purpose. I love that feeling a sense of purpose. Like, knowing that to me, it's like, you know your worth, you don't question yourself like a lot of these other stages that we've talked about and you have found that inner peace yeah what a beautiful place okay so do you do you do sessions um you don't have to actually be in person right because I know a lot of people listening are going to be wanting more information about all of this stuff yes I work with a lot of people virtually okay um I mean the difference is I don't practice medicine with people who don't can't come see me the first time in New York City. Okay. So um, I do sort of still apply this whole sort of holistic framework. But if someone's remote, I just won't manage like medications. I won't be testing labs. I won't actually diagnose and treat medical illnesses. Uh, but with that, that's the only sort of caveat to my remote work. Okay, but you'll work on healing different chakra issues and all of the other things that you do. Absolutely. And we were talking before because you have a full workshop. um, What is this, like seven days coming up in Costa Rica? And this is something you do in different places. I saw on your website, too. There's one coming up in Spain. Can you tell people kind of a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so I we I consider the retreat experience a really holistic experience, meaning that like throughout the week, everything we do, we're going to be 
addressing or accessing the physical body, the mental part of yourself, the emotional part of yourself, and the spiritual part of yourself. And we theme the retreat according to the chakras. So we move up the ladder. So it's a seven-day experience, and each day we work with the themes of a different chakra. And we use a variety of tools from vinyasa and kundalini yoga to breath work and sound meditation Ooh, that breath and work you do <laughs> that we did that in the workshop I did that was extremely interesting and cleansing for me I remember I cried through the whole thing which was I not do. expected yeah that's really interesting okay keep going sorry and it's really <laughs> common because the breath it starts to move yeah so much I felt that and you really face up against like really all the themes of those lower chakras, yep. right? It's like, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. it's scary, mm-hmm. you have to trust it. You're sort of moving against edges. And uh, so we we do more or less like the same schedule each day, but each day has different themes. Right. And we move, we really take people on this journey from the lower frequencies of the lower chakras up into all the way up into the third eye and the crown. Wow. So if people want to find more info about these workshops or even just getting with you virtually, or if you're in, you're in New York, correct? I am. So if you're in New York, actually setting up a visit, where would they go to find this? They can go to my website, which is www.experiencesenses.com. I'll spell it out. And uh, they can find really all the information about retreats and also one-on-one work on there. And then you're also on Instagram, right? Where you do these little breakdowns of different chakra healing things that I love personally. What is your Instagram handle? It's at experience seven senses and it's all written out. At Experience Seven Senses. I'll link this also in the um, description of this podcast so you guys can go find Erica. Thank you so much for doing this. You're so welcome. Thanks for asking about all the stuff I love to talk about. (laughs) Stay on the line uh, after this because I want to talk to you about my own virtual sessions. Okay. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Bye. This is Kelly Henderson, and you've been listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I truly believe that every one of us has a little velvet and a little edge. So it's so important to remember that to be strong, you must be soft too. Thank you so much for sharing in those stories with me. You can follow Velvet's Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as velvetsedge.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me every Wednesday for more conversations on lifestyle, beauty, and relationships. Thanks for listening. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. 
We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.